A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Podcart Podcasts, and my name's Helena Rafai. Occasionally, we bring in special guests to speak about the records that have soundtracked their lives so far. For rights reasons, music is shorter than the original song. This week's guest is Elizabeth Electra. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. No, you're more than welcome. So, um, how are you, first of all? What's been happening? I'm good, thanks. I'm really um, quite tired. I've had a lot on lately, but a lot of really good things you know been playing a lot and doing exciting good things so it's like a good kind of tiredness so for people that if it's their first time listening to this podcast um I ask guests to pick a selection of uh, generally about six songs that have soundtracked their life so far and it's it's really a quite a tough task um as we spoke about before we started this podcast about how many people you want to include and it's it's just a nightmare it's been really hard it was genuinely like because it makes you realize actually how much it made me realize how many songs have been so deeply meaningful to me and you know there I've I've made this selection but there are people who are not on there who are probably some of my you know top favorite artists and yeah it's hard to do but it's also a really lovely process because you get to kind of you know reacquaint yourself and think about you know songs in particular and as a songwriter myself you know that's my biggest love so I've really enjoyed the process. What's your first musical memory? (sighs) You know I have a really vague memory of being in the living room in my house when I was really small it was before we moved to France so I must have been like very very small it was too small I think to really be at school or anything and I remember I used to play with a vinyl and my my mum and dad were both my mum was is really into classical music that's pretty much all she listens to my dad was into classical guitar music um so there was very little kind of pop music in the house and I grew up listening to like you know but I remember finding the small amount of vinyl in my parents house and pulling it out and someone putting it on for me and it was Jimi Hendrix and I remember that but I mean probably even before that I guess my earliest kind of memory would be my mum singing to me which happened all the time and you've got quite a musical family do you not yeah yeah I do yeah um kind of all musical actually on both sides on my mum and my dad's side um My mum's an incredible singer, um, opera, kind of, um, you know, amateur, but she's really good. Um, My sister went to the conservatoire in this Royal Scottish Conservatoire to study classical voice. Uh, My brother's really musical. He's a graphic designer, but he makes music too, like techno. Um, And most recently, like... (laughs) weird remixes of uh, 
90s trans songs. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I am loving that. Yeah, and even my, my dad's side of the family is super musical. My cousins are singers and my cousin Melissa sang with Danielle Dax in the Batcave, which is really cool. <laughs> I want to talk about the first song that you've selected. Uh, am I, oh, am I ra- right in saying Mylene Farmer? Mylene Farmer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, are you fluent in French? Mm, I used to be. Yeah. I grew up there. And my French is good, but yeah. I wouldn't say I'm fluent anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, why this song? You know, this was one of the songs that there was never any doubt that I had to put it on this playlist for today because it's just, it has stayed with me my whole life. Horloge du sinistre effrayant, impassible dont le doigt nous menace et nous dit Les vibrantes douleurs dans ton cœur plein d'efforts se planteront bientôt comme dans une cible. Le plaisir vaporeux fuira vers l'horizon, ainsi qu'une sylphide au fond de la coulisse. Chaque instant te défend un morceau du délice à chaque homme accordé. I remember when I first heard it, when I was on this, like, when I was in France, I must have been about eight. And we went on this kind of two-week thing with my school where we went all around Normandy doing a puppet show. And we would stay in kind of like youth hostelly places. And we had some like youth workers working with us. And there was this woman and she was playing it and I loved it and she gave me the tape. So I had the tape of this album, which is called um, Ainsi Soit Je by Mylene Farmer. And I just like really fell in love with it. I remember just listening to it on my headphones and I felt quite like socializing with big groups of people has never been my strong point. I'm always better one-on-one or in small groups. And so I remember during that time just being really happy that I could just listen to this record by myself over and over again. And it was just something I'd never heard. I'd never, you know, the whole album was just still, I still love it. And was it the melodic side or was it the intimacy created or, or what was it? What what do you feel that kind of you connected with? I mean, I think she's a real character. She was the first person, I didn't know this until I was an adult, but she was the first person to ever have full frontal nudity in a music video, I think, ever. I could be wrong, but I, I know, yeah, that she was definitely the first person in France. And so for her song Libertine, it just had all these nude women in it and like I think there's something about her as a character because she's so unapologetic but she's also I mean it's kind of um this is one of the stranger songs on the album the others are maybe a bit more straightforward but everything is quite you know it's quite dreamy it's quite theatrical you know it's a little bit other compared to maybe other albums even of hers but this song is actually a poem by Charles Baudelaire sung over the music that she and her co-writer created and you obviously some of the things that you've mentioned there about theatrics and you know character and so on you are very much like that as well when you are performing um you've got a very 
there's a, a, a strong visual element to to you when you perform and you have this great confidence when you're on stage as well um the there's also particular styling you've you've there's certain colors that you tend to kind of you know uh, gravitate towards and um, it's all very ethereal so where does where do those aspects come from I think I've always been a drama queen (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's been a time in my life where I haven't loved it's not you know and I mean when I say drama queen I kind of mean like I just I love the fantasy of it you know I love the escapism and um it's kind of a bit of a it's strange because I'm quite shy and I actually get horrific stage fright um and I'm quite introverted but then just performing is like in my veins you know and and I don't know it's just it's just magic to me like being able to create something else something other something new I mean nothing's really new is it but you know as far as I can in this world to create something visually that's transportative that's really exciting for me and so you you mentioned um the stage fright there what what happens when you actually are within the uh, you you are within the performance does that disappear or is it lingering in the back of your head or it kind of disappears but before I go on stage I will sometimes feel like I I get such bad stage fright that I feel ill like I feel like shaky and, and then I get on stage and something happens and it's kind of like just everything comes alive so yeah. and and I'm sort of in the moment and the more I can be in the moment um the better the show is I think for me the more fun it is for me I've been waiting for a guy to come and take me by the hand Cause these sensations make me feel the pleasures of a normal man these sensations barely answers leave them for another day there's not much that you can I I don't think I've heard anyone speaking negatively about Joy Division in my life I think it's safe to say you know I don't know if I have either and that's quite unusual because usually people some people have some I don't think I have either yeah um so there's obviously quite a, a repertoire there and you know, you get a lot of people obviously geared towards Level Terrace apart, but what is it about Disorder that you love so much? It's just that first line. I mean, I love the whole song, but I think it's the most perfect opening line I can think of. I've been waiting for a guide to take me by the hand, to come and take me by the hand. Could these sensations make me feel the pleasures of a normal man? It's just unbelievable and I think that's what makes me that was the thing that first got me with Joy Division was his was Ian Curtis's lyricism you know there's just something so profound there that's like I feel like he expresses something that's almost inexpressible that you know he kind of reaches right inside you and touches something 
like so deep yeah. that you may not even have been able to express it yourself you know it's it's just that's how I feel about this song anyway that it's like it's really it's kind of a strange to me it sort of feels like and I mean maybe this is because I know about his life but it feels kind of like you're on the edge of the world this song you know there's a sort of urgency and there's something you know I really love it when something is so real and so raw and so vulnerable that it like strips away all the shit all the bullshit all the crap that everybody all the like you know the faces people wear and all the kind of things put people put on you know all the fake stuff yeah and then underneath it's just something really real and beautiful and that's how I feel about this song like it's just something so real and so beautiful and so timeless as well because it was so ahead of its time this record I mean I think as musicians they're really ahead of its time but I think it still sounds amazing although my husband can't listen to it because he says there's a bass mistake in it and I mean I can hear what he's saying but it's still to me the best song that makes no difference to me whatsoever you know I kind of love that as well because like what song now would have a bass mistake in it? It's really <laughs> unlikely that would happen because you just cut it out. Yeah. In logic and you'd like but replace that bit. I think bit. there's something quite beautiful about that. I that think there's so that too. mistake. But I'd never felt like as a listener, I'd never sort of listened to it and gone, oh, that's a mistake there. I just always thought that it was just part of the, you know, the the musical journey, the the bass journey. Yeah. <laughs> in the song do you know what I mean yeah like that's just where he was going so how old were you when you kind of got into Joy Division actually I was a bit older than probably other people I probably found out about them when I was about 17 or 18 um because I mean Ian Curtis died before I was born you know there was like the stuff I was listening to in my teens wasn't really related and I can't remember how I first heard about them. Like, I can't remember it. I can't really remember a time. Like, it, it's, you know, when something you just find out about something and it becomes immediately like a part of you. That's kind of how this record was, how they were. I mean, I listened to everything that I could find, like, obsessively when I heard them. And yeah. what were your teens like? Um, what other what other musicians were you into what was your lifestyle like as a teenager well to be honest I didn't have a great time because my dad died when I was 11 so my teens were like just grief you know my mother is an amazing woman but she would I think admit that she's not the most kind of emotional person she you know kind of gets on with things so I'm like the opposite of that extremely emotional and like I need to talk and process things so I had quite a you know I had a fun time in my teens like I had lots of friends we like had a lot of fun but at the same time I think there was this sadness that kind of like sort of floated over my teens that sort of influenced it and musically I think that was reflected in the stuff I was into you know like um Joy Division and Portis Head and Sonic Youth and you know who else like 
even this it's funny because there's even some songs that came out in my teens that are really happy songs that still somehow have this kind of melancholy attached to them like outcast miss jackson (laughs) for some reason like it's such a kind of happy song but it has this real sort of energy for me of like sadness and i think it's just because that's the lens through which i was looking at life Okay, so that's kind of really lifted the the heart rate and the pace. <laughs> um, that's it's it's quite different, I guess. From um, well, I say that, and we've got Prince coming next. But um, yeah, you you seem to have. I was just saying to you during the the song there while it was playing that there's a real '80s injection into what you seem to be into. Yeah, I mean, I like, I do like. I do tend to like music made in the 80s. But I mean, I like a lot of music um, not made in the 80s as well. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's interesting that I've chosen a lot of stuff that was recorded then. Um, but this, I think, is a really special song to me because... Um, so it's Sylvester is the singer and Patrick Cowley... Um, wrote the song with him and I think they're both really to me really important musical figures and just Sylvester he's like (laughs) I mean he was a gay man a black gay man in the 80s and the late late 70s because he started his career in the late 70s singing about what it felt like to have sex with other men whilst dressed in women's clothes I mean, that's pretty fucking radical, yeah. you know? Like, I just think to live, to have... And also that falsetto voice, his voice. Oh, my God. He has one of my favourite voices because it's so distinctive and just the, the richness and the there's just something so, you know, unapologetic again. Like, there's this feeling with him. Like, I would have loved to see him live. I've seen some videos on YouTube and he just... He was a real star, you know? And what I love is I read this this thing about him and apparently he, like, really wanted to be on the radio. That was his ambition. He was like, I just want to be on the radio. I want to write songs that get on the radio. And I really like that energy of, like, I want to make something and then I want people to hear it. Like, people can be quite shy about that, but I love that. Yeah. And I this song... This song's really meaningful for me because, you know, it was like soundtrack to a particular time in my life when I was going out a lot and dancing a lot. And But it sort of stayed with me as one of my favourite songs. You're obviously a very, um, you're very passionate about being a woman and um, having an equality and um, also kind of making your mark as a, as a, a woman in music as well. Um, what? Who are some of the the kind of women in music who have have really inspired you? I mean, there are so many. Um, Bjork, Kate Bush, um, Tori Amos. More recently, like Lana Del Rey. You know, I just I, 
like in my teens I loved people like Jill Scott and Erica Badu I still love Erica Badu she's completely bonkers and I absolutely love it again it's this kind of like she just really doesn't give a fuck and I appreciate that and she's a phenomenal musician um I mean there are so many it's it's kind of almost like hard to to think I think that you know every time a woman goes out into the world and does what she wants to do on her terms you know something shifts energetically and she gives permission to other women to little girls to people anybody to go and do that same thing and that's what Sylvester did for me and I think that is why I love his work so much and you know the cool thing about this song as well is that he like disco up until that point had been very straight pretty pretty straight you know <laughs> like and it was kind of queered through the making they made it faster they made it kind of more like you know they made it for their scene you know and yeah but I think in terms of women it's hard to really sort of I feel like I'm gonna get home and be like oh I forgot to mention someone really important Madonna yeah <laughs> you know, so you, many you see like so it's it's quite clear that the common thread now is that it's about individual characters and people that stand out for you like you say that don't give a fuck yeah um so it doesn't it's not gender based at all it's um it's something it's obviously just inspiration and whoever mm-hmm. it is um mm-hmm. the next person that you've picked an icon I don't think I've quite seen the industry and fans and so on as devastated um about someone passing than Prince and you've chosen I Would Die For You which is one of the finest songs ever written um what who who is Prince to you I mean he really is my favorite artist you know and I'm not quite sure what that's about try to sort of analyze it um you know there are so many people whose music I connect with and interestingly I love a lot of people who he really loved like Joni Mitchell Tori Amos huge massive influences on me people who I admire deeply and um but it's just something about Prince I don't know what it is like it's something intangible feel I relate to him to his music to who he was just like it's almost like the world doesn't make all that much sense to me and then Prince makes complete sense that's the only way I can describe it like what he did who he was with his work 
you know, the, the image that he portrayed, the energy that he brought into the world, the songs, the music, all of it, just it's like it slots into place for me. It makes sense. You know, whereas, like, I think I feel more of an affinity for his work. Not that it's, not that my work is particularly like his, but just on a kind of energy level, I think, more than anyone else. You are um, very much into the, 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 when you say about energy, the almost the spiritual side of, of those aspects, but um, you are very in tune with with those um, those aspects of astrology obviously is a, a massive thing for you um, and crystals I know that you're you're very much into that and obviously how things align and your knowledge is just mind-blowing at times <laughs> for me um, and when it comes to Prince is 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 that is does he come into that for you? Well, Prince is an interesting one because Prince was religious, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but I, yeah, so I am really interested in the esoteric. And I think that's been a part of me since I was a very small child. I remember my dad asking me, um, saying, like, do you want a book? There was this catalogue of books you could pick one as well. We were living in France and we lived in the middle of nowhere. So that's how we would choose what books we were going to read. And I loved reading. And then he came home one day and he said, what do you want? And I said, I wanted a book about the pendulum. And I must have been like nine, you know, probably at the latest. And, uh, and yeah, it's just always, those things have just always been a part of me. And then I discovered when I was a lot older that my dad's mum used a pendulum and that my dad's sister was, you know, interested in like mediumship and I didn't know any of that stuff and my mum is very much not into that stuff. So when I came out and told her I was a witch when I was 13, she spat her tea out laughing at me, which is (laughs) so funny. (laughs) You know, she's like really not into that kind of thing. And I have always just had a huge interest in the esoteric and metaphysical things. I, I don't know, you know, I started reading the tarot when I was like... 13, 14, it's just something I've always had an innate interest in. But, And I think that maybe all of that is kind of fundamentally about connecting to something bigger than myself. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily, I don't believe in an interventionist God. Like, I don't believe in God, so to speak, you know. Um, but that's not to say that I don't believe in some kind of... Um, something energetic that binds us all somehow magically you know I do believe that we're all connected yeah and um and I think that Prince for me actually it's interesting you bring that up with this song because I mean this song you know is a song about God he's saying like it's a song written from the perspective of God to us you know and it's not a love song. It's, well, it is a love song, but I guess it's like the ultimate love song. In Prince's eyes, I'm sure that's what it was, you know? Um, I think that also thing I love about Prince is like he could marry that, that kind of, um, that, that divine energy of his songs and those themes with like, yeah, I just really want to fuck you. <laughs> In other songs, you know, it was yeah. like so kind of physical and then so spiritual at the same time. And 
yeah so I do I do think that that comes in and I think that I hear those themes in his music and I appreciate them when he passed I mean I'm guessing that it was really difficult for you it was it was really hard it was really genuinely hard I'm still really sad about it yeah that sounds quite extreme like I didn't think that the death of somebody I don't know would have that much of an impact on me but it did it kind of felt like oh you know you were like one person who I really felt I could musically in the music world kind of really relate to um but obviously I never met him so you don't know what a person's really like yeah um but my friend told me we were on the phone chatting my friend Jacob and I and he was like honey are you sitting down and I was like yes <laughs> and um and he was like there's been a report of a death at Paisley Park and, I, and he said but they haven't announced who it is but I knew immediately I knew it was him and um but I mean the fact that he died with this legacy like so much amazing work is just that's such an inspiration to me to keep making work whatever happens with it whatever happens with it in the world is just like the kind of dedication to your work as an artist I think Prince really had that and that's what he left us with and you know I think it's devastating that he died young and also it was so like avoidable because he was on pain medication for his hips you know and he didn't have an operation and he should have had an operation (laughs) but he died in a kind of such an avoidable way but at the same time how many people die and leave us that yeah what he left us so elizabeth you've you've done the unthinkable and added another song <laughs> but let's talk about the uh, first one um so fever ray i'm a massive fan of the knife so i was really pleased when i saw fever ray on the list um seven what uh, what does this song mean to you you know um I love The Knife, but I'm not like a really deep fan. Like I don't know everything of theirs. And then this record came out in 2009 and it kind of like, I think it's my favourite album of the last 10 years. Wow. It's just, and this song in particular I love because I think that Karen Drasier, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but... um, I think she has this gift with lyricism that's kind of like a a merging of the mundane with the the kind of transcendental and which I actually think a lot of my favorite lyricists have like Prince definitely had that too and uh you know Kate Bush and these people have this kind of but I think she really what I love is the sort of (sighs) it's like this the lyrics are so poetic and so beautiful but they're so um there's sort of a, a beautiful everydayness at the same time like and um I think that's very Scandinavian you know there's this kind of um I did uh, a module at university called Scandinavian studies looking at Scandinavian art and poetry and music and all of those things and I realized just what an affinity I have with it because it really does have this this kind of animism present in so much of it and it's very kind of intuitive this, this sort of intuition and this magic in it this sort of like yeah there's something to me when I listen to this song that really evokes that magic 
but kind of um, you know a magic based in this world in our world. actually recently had one of those like for health reasons had one of those DNA tests done and I found out I have like a really big chunk of Scandinavian ancestry which I didn't know about because wow. I knew that we were French and I knew you know British but I didn't know about the Scandinavian part and that's like the third biggest chunk of my DNA so I thought well it's like clearly in my veins that kind of resonance with you know art and music that comes from that part of the world and you speak a lot about the um the connection and energy that you have with various musicians and music and and um so on on, on the flip side uh that are there certain um musicians or kind of almost auras that you get from people that you just think i am just going to stay completely away from you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, for sure. I think yeah. everyone has that, right? Everybody, like, will sort of respond. I think we all respond to people, you know, quite, maybe not. But I feel like most people would sort of, you know, will get a kind of strong feeling of, like, whether something is for them or not. And, yeah, there's some stuff, like, I... There's some artists whose music I just really don't relate to and who, energetically, that doesn't sort of... You know, who they are and what they represent doesn't necessarily resonate with my values or what I think is important in the world but you know I would never like I would never be like oh they shouldn't be doing it yeah because you know what they're doing clearly is right for some like it resonates with someone else so I think that's important and also people can change and I think that's really um you know like if you look at what Axl Rose used to be like the most horrific misogynist and now he's kind of right on yeah, and then look at Morrissey. I mean, he's an arsehole. He's such an arsehole. To be fair, I don't know if I would have ever thought otherwise. Like, I don't think I would ever have thought of Morrissey and thought he'd be a nice guy. I'd like to hang out with him. I would never have had that feeling about him. You know, I admire his lyricism hugely. I think he's a genius lyricist. Yeah, but I never felt the interesting thing about him is that I don't think that having listened to the Smiths or to his solo stuff, I don't feel like I ever really got to know him. Like that vulnerability that I love and I, you know, that I feel is really there on like, for instance, this song or pretty much everything that we've played so far. There's that sort of like, yeah, I don't really feel that with Morrissey. It's like there was this thing that he's hiding behind this genius talent with words underneath it he's clearly just a really bitter twisted old man yeah you know and he's probably always been like that you know you've kind of hinted at and you've spoken a lot this thing about people putting up uh barriers or faces or you know almost kind of not really showing who they they are mm-hmm. and you're a big fan of people who just don't give a fuck and they stay true to themselves and the next artist robin is is that she does not 
give a shit and she really is true to her art form mm-hmm. as well um dancing on my own which is a like I, I don't think there's I think in my group of friends which crosses over with yours is that there's um everyone loves this song it's just such a great song you know it's such a perfect it's a perfect song it's a perfect pop song has it's just and I think that yeah like you're saying she really she really doesn't give a fuck and she's totally herself and it's really obvious and and I love you know actually I really love how sort of um she doesn't kind of have any like as graces there's not a whole lot of drama to her you know compared to like other people who myself (laughs) (laughs) and I just I really I really love I really love that about her I love that you know when you see her on stage she's just like herself and she's just singing her songs and she's really singing them and she's such a good performer and and this to me is just I really think it's a perfect pop song the structure of it and it's just it's glorious and I'm not so keen on the cover version of it personally because I think that this is actually the the definitive version yeah but the fact that it could be covered by somebody else and taken into something so different, into such a different place musically, really shows what a great song it is. You yeah. know, that it can have, I think that's when you really know if something's a great song, if you can take it out of the environment that exists within musically and take it and do something totally different with it, like play it just on the guitar, and then you know that you have something really special. And I think that's what I love about the song. Um, and your journey within music, obviously, um, we haven't even spoken about uh, you releasing music, and obviously you've you've released new music. Um, how, how's it how's it been over the the last while going through that process, and also the industry changing quite a lot over the the last you know ten twenty years, and and coming as a uh, out as a almost new with new music and and trying to progress how difficult has it been or how inspiring has it been or how's it been for you um well I mean as a contemporary artist you can't look backwards you have to work with what's happening now and I really believe that you know I'm meant to be releasing music right now like that's how it feels like it's the right time for my work to be going into the world I don't feel like I don't wish that the industry were different I think the idea of signing to a record label is fucking insane because you're giving somebody like <laughs> you know however much like half your master rights or whatever you're signing away the rights to your music your creation you know it's it doesn't make any sense to me so the fact that that whole structure of like labels and 
you know, developing artists and sort of a traditional release thing with a record label, the fact that that's kind of done in many ways now is not a problem for me because that means I'm in control. Yeah. And I really like to be in control. <laughs> Never. So, <laughs> no, Leo <laughs> wanting to be in control of her own way. No, I, I, like, it is hard. It's super hard. It's hard. You know, I have um, health issues that have totally, you know, that mean that sometimes I'm just, like, not well enough to do things. Um, I have, like, chronic pain. I have a, like... Anyway, um, I have a condition that means that I don't, like the collagen production levels in my body aren't right. So I injure myself really easily and they get, and I've just been diagnosed with fibromyalgia too. Oh, wow. That is so, tough. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's good to have a diagnosis after so many years of, of kind of wondering what on earth is wrong with me because I'm, you know, young and you kind of feel like, well, wait, why is this happening? Is it, so it's good to know, but at the same time that, you know, that is a struggle. And I think that. But what I get from doing everything on my own is that kind of feeling of, I get a real feeling of achievement and satisfaction from it. And um, I get to keep my work for myself. I get to retain my rights. And how do you define success for you? Honestly, I define success as through the work I've created, like the volume of it and the, the, my perceived quality of the work that I've created is really important to me so I write a lot of music so I feel successful you know I feel like I've I'm really proud of myself for having worked so hard
And so, however, that's like, you know, I've hardly released anything. So it's kind of bizarre to be in a position to have so, of having so much music and then, you know, it not being in the world yet. But also it's a, it's a good position to be in. And I hope that, you know, I'm just excited to kind of keep releasing it. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm super excited about this album. You know, you mentioned earlier about the aesthetic world that it inhabits. Um, and, you know, that's something that has emerged through, um, a lot of it's actually emerged through um, my own kind of tastes and the things that I'm into, but also then working with my friend Marina Feeney, who's a really dear friend of mine, uh, we met on Instagram and then kind of stayed in touch and then I went to see her in Paris and then she came over to Scotland and we went and shot a video up in uh, Sky and we checked the weather and we we're like great it's dry but I forgot to look at the wind and it was like <laughs> crazy winds and so we were filming this video and all these kind of winds and then there was this like hailstorm it was really intense and then earlier this year I went out to work with her in the desert um in Joshua Tree where she lives and um so I went to Joshua Tree and it was snowing like I mean like feet of snow like up to my knees and that had not happened for like 50 years or something. So I think Marina and I have some kind of weird meteorological magic when we get together. I'm going to see her again like this month. So who knows what? <laughs> I hope there's not an earthquake. <laughs> um, but Marina has really inspired me. And the work that we've done together, I feel like, has really shaped the aesthetic world that the album inhabits. And she is a really extraordinary person because she you know talking about people not giving a fuck yeah she really doesn't like we went up to the highlands together and she was just she's so colorful and she was wearing her like onesie and her big huge like turquoise jacket and you know people in the highlands were just like and she really didn't care and she's such a singular person and to have worked with an artist like that I feel really lucky you know I really really do because she's very special and in terms of, um, have there been periods for you that you've had self-doubt about um, <laughs> your, uh, I mean, I know we've had conversations about it, for, but for the listener, um, <laughs> in terms of your, your period of self-doubt, where does that come from and how does that manifest itself? I mean, I think everybody has self-doubt. I don't think, I mean, maybe not. Maybe some people don't. Uh, I do. Yeah. And I think that actually what I think is that there's been a huge gap between me writing the songs I'm about to release and them being released. So I think that when you've sat with a piece of work or like pieces of work for a long time, you you kind of, you grow. I wrote these songs when I was a different person, like literally a different person from who I am today. You know, that I wrote them like some of these songs I wrote 10 11 years ago some of them like four years ago the most recent ones so all of them were written when I was a different person and sometimes I don't really want to release that person's music I just want to be working on this person's music and I want to be releasing this person's music but I have to honor the me I was when I wrote that work and I have to honor this creation and I think that probably the doubt 
I mean, I think every artist will will doubt themselves at some point, like, can I do this? Should I do this? Is it relevant? Is anyone going to care? But ultimately, it doesn't really matter if anyone cares, you know? Like, the world wants us to think that that matters, but it doesn't. Because for me, art, music, making things is about you. It's about who you are as an artist. It's about the process that you go through to bring something into the world, to birth something, and how that changes you fundamentally, and how that makes you grow, and how that kind of, yeah, that legacy that you can leave, even if you're not leaving it to anyone apart from, you know. Did I dream you dreamed about me? Were you Song to the Siren, this mortal coil, which is, I don't, it's it's probably one of the most emotional songs. Um, and obviously, uh, Tim Buckley had written the original, and um, this mortal coil had reworked it. But I don't know if you agree. I think that's a far superior version to Mr. I Buckley's. Agree. Unfortunately, I totally agree. And I don't know much Tim Buckley beyond this song. Um, kind of listened to bits of it. It's nice, but this, yeah, I mean, I actually love his son. I love Jeff Buckley. Um, yeah, Jeff's amazing. Amazing. So, and again, super emotional, you know. But this, yeah, this to me, this version is just, I mean, Liz Fraser has some kind of deep magic in that voice of hers, you know. It's just so, it's very, um, it's very vulnerable. Yeah. It's a really vulnerable performance. And I think in that way, it kind of reminds me of disorder, you know, thinking back to like that sort of same, this a really raw energy. You know, I did my dissertation at uni on um, the voice. Yeah. And I looked at how, like, the thing that I think is extraordinary is that it's literally, you're, it's the sound of your body and externalized. Your voice sounds the way that all the kind of, folds of skin and the bones and the muscles and everything have shaped to create the sound of your voice so when you're singing you're singing the sound of your body and and things like trauma and things like you know experiences we have in our lives that are traumatic research is coming out now that it changes your body so I sort of feel like the voice is really a way to sort of like give the body a means to express itself and I think through music you know that really that can just be so powerful and um I just think this is such a beautiful beautiful song and such a beautiful performance from Liz Fraser who really is one of my favorite singers yeah it's I mean it's the true um kind of antithesis of an an instrument and 
she she kind of channels it's almost like Andalusian the way that she um sings it's I'm reminded of of uh, weirdly um things like bagpipes yeah 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 it's and very um yeah it's it's she really channels that in I think she's always used her voice like an instrument actually so it's really interesting you say that because if you think about the Cocteau twins she kind of was so I mean her lyrics you know that even on sort of um even the first I heard of Liz Fraser was Teardrop by Massive Attack and you know, I was just obsessed with that song and I remember getting really stoned when I was a teenager and suddenly hearing the words and being like, whoa, I know what she's saying. Because yeah. <laughs> up until then, it was just this, like, sound. And I think that's amazing that she, you know, there's this huge, like, big popular song. And, like, yeah. it was totally kind of, you know, her own... She has a really unique way of, of um, singing, I think, that I just love. I love this Mortal Coil. I love a lot of early 4AD music yeah you know, and I actually worked with John Fryer who is uh, in was in this Mortal Coil uh, on a song a while back so that was really cool well I wish you the very best of luck and um, thank you so much for for speaking to me and uh, yeah looking forward to the album thank you so much Lee. thank it's you been a lot of fun <laughs> What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 